Hello and welcome. I'm Chelsea, certified mermaid, diver, and science communicator. And I'm Blake, scuba dive master, freediving instructor, and also a science communicator. We've created the Save the Mermaids podcast to connect ocean lovers from across the seven seas who have a desire to protect our waters and learn to live in sync with nature. Save the mermaids, save the seas. Let's dive in. And now for our happy ocean news. This is a good one. This is an entire country. Canada is getting on the plastic ban bandwagon. Yes. Did you see what I did there? Bandwagon. So so according to pbs.org, the Canadian government is banning companies from importing or making plastic bags and styrofoam takeout containers by the end of this year. Oh shit, that's soon. Yeah. Yes. So their sale by the end of next year. So like you can't sell plastic bags or styrofoam containers anymore starting next year in 2023. Yeah. And then their export by the end of 2025. Oh my gosh. I yeah. love that. So they're just going <gasps> to... And honestly, that's like where the change happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is the small daily things of, hey, I'm still going to eat this food to go. But if somebody else has done it in a way that's sustainable, yep, even better. Yep. Oh, good for you, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're not talking about Canada We're today, We're not <laughs> even close. We're talking about another place that starts with the sea. We're talking about the island of Crete in Greece. <gasps> I'm so excited learn about this yes so dive spotlight um i went to greece last year in 2021 and i wanted to talk about crete specifically because there's a ton of amazing places you can go in greece to dive but crete has its own history and if you're in crete they actually won't call themselves greek they'll call themselves cretian oh yeah so it's very much like it feels greek but you're going to get its own flavor so if you're in greece you have to stop by crete because it's just really it's really special oh i love that yeah um so i say usually when you're going to greece you just fly into athens but i say just skip athens entirely there's a bunch of cool like ruins and stuff so if you're into that go for it but don't do more than a day um because like there's massive amounts of history, but the outer islands are definitely where it's at. It's, you know, you walk down the street and a grandma will invite you into her house to eat some, <gasps> some tomatoes kind of vibe. That's what we want. I would live after visiting there a hundred percent. I would live there except for their water is cold and it's kind of empty. And we'll talk about that later. Oh yeah. I do want to talk about the water really quick though, yeah. because I feel like Greece and the Maldives more than anywhere in the world has just the most pristine looking water. And you see, is it that pristine like you see pictures all the time but Mm -hmm. I don't this whole week I'll be posting like photos and videos Uh. and stuff it is perfectly crystal clear but it is freezing I went in July June I went in June Mm -hmm. and I was so freaking cold like I was it was so cold it was so cold so keep that in mind it's not gonna feel like the Maldives (laughs) and I was shocked because you see all these photos of how clear it is the sun's shining these beautiful sandy beaches but it's so cold oh that's misleading I know I was a little a little sad about that it was very chilly Uh, (laughs) uh so we're talking about Crete today it is the biggest island in Greece and the fifth biggest in the Mediterranean uh, but here people call themselves Cretan and not Greek. So that's, it's a very distinct civilization and how it all sort of grew up. 
So Crete was the center of Europe's first advanced civilizations, which was the Minoans. I don't know if you've heard of them or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this was from 2700 to 1420 BC. So long time ago. This civilization wrote in the undeciphered script known as Linear A, early Cretan history. Um, It's replete with legends such as uh, those of King Minos. I don't know if you've heard of him. Minus with an N or a N, not uh, Midas, like oh, a Midas okay. touch. Um, Theseus and the Minotaur pass oh, on cool. orally via poets such as Homer. Uh, so I this is where things. it started. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that uh, that legendary king, he was actually a Minoan bullhorn leader. He was like, he was a, he was a, I'll get into it, but he was like a minotaur, essentially. Like a badass. Yeah, and so because he, like the place was founded-ish by a minotaur, Mm -hmm. like a half man, half bull guy, they are known for, what's it called? Bull jumping? Bullhorn jumping. So they would have a bull. It's so much cooler than Spain just killing them. Like the Minoans had to do it. So they would have an arena, the bull charges, and these guys, their whole job would be to run, jump, grab a hold of the bull's horns and they would do really fantastic spins and flips and stuff over the bull cool so it's like acrobatics with a bull i love this yeah so that was super neat that still happen i don't know Hmm. i mean it would be amazing if it did but yeah way cooler than bullfighting get on it spin start (laughs) start flipping over some bulls um so after the minoan civilization was devastated by the thera eruption crete developed an ancient more greek influenced organization of city states that successively became part of the roman empire and then the byzantine empire and then the venetian republic and then the ottoman empire and then its own autonomous state and then it joined greece Yeesh. so they Lots have stuff. literally been through it for a while <laughs> <laughs> um but a lot of times right by here is santorini and that's where they believe that the story of atlantis Right. Might have started. Yeah, we talked about a little bit about this when we talked about Atlantis and uh, Lumeria. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is very close to that whole area of the world. Um, cool. I was looking up, like, like I said, all of Greece, what shocked me is in a lot of these areas of the world, like whether you're in Ireland or England, like if it's an island-ish nation, there seems to only be animals that humans eat essentially. So like they take care of their sheep. There's not a lot of wild animals Mm -hmm. left because humans are humans and we knock everything out. Right. (laughs) Um, so I was looking up ancient animals there and the native fauna of Crete used to include a pygmy hippo. Oh my God. A pygmy elephant, Uh, a dwarf deer, uh, giant mice (laughs) and insectivores, as well as badgers, um, beach martin and ludigale cretensis i can't guess what it is though do you know the word i just said no it's an otter a terrestrial are they still there no god it's like small versions of everything except the mouse and then the mice are gigantic isn't that adorable (laughs) i need to go back in time i know (laughs) i'm like that is so fun i'm gonna look up what a pygmy elephant looks like because there's a little elephant that's so cute He pulled right up. Yeah. So in this area at the time, large mammalian carnivores, you know, like wolves and, and large cats were lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, so in their stead, the flightless Cretan owl was the apex predator. Cool. Yeah, so it's flightless and it was the apex? Fuck shit up. Damn. Uh-huh. Okay. Most of these animals died out at the end of the last ice age. 
humans played a large role in this extinction, which occurred on other medium to large Mediterranean islands as well. For example, on Cyprus, Sicily, and Majorca. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I just have in my notes, talk about lacking in biodiversity, which is such oh, a bummer. Yeah. This is going to be rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the land has been farmed for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, and because of this, whenever you're on hikes and stuff, pretty much all you'll see is, you know, rams, sheep, and maybe a couple of birds. So all of those really special animals have died off. Even the little otter. I'm so sorry. Oh, I know. I'm so sad. Uh, okay. uh, also overfishing is definitely a problem in this area. Everybody has to go out pretty far uh, to find fish that are edible. And they do, they are known for great seafood, but that's just because of the Mediterranean because the waters around are very empty it's it's almost like a desert when you're swimming like you'd see beautiful rocks um I didn't really see much coral but like beautiful clear water with maybe like two or three little fish in it I really didn't see much at all while I was close to the beach and we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk like about why. more things yeah okay. um oh I also want to talk about the Mediterranean monk seal uh, it's one of the most critically endangered species in our oceans. And Crete is one of their natural habitats. There are fewer than 600 individuals around the world. Yeah, they're in worse shape than the Hawaiian monk seal. Yeah. Oh, and it's only those two. That's it. Mm -hmm. Ugh. So cute little, little blubber, blubber bubs. Uh, one of the biggest issues of why there are so few of them is because seal hunting started a long time ago so seal hunting in ancient times it peaked in roman times the romans liked to kill a lot of things yeah, they did. and it did continue into the 20th century uh, because of their trusting nature seals were very easy prey for hunters using clubs nets and spears today the remaining seals seek refuge in inaccessible caves along remote coasts with cliffs um is hunting them illegal are they protected um i didn't see that but i'm assuming they are okay yeah, yeah. they've got to be they've got to be right i'm gonna look it up while you keep talking okay we all know that plastic straws and cups are one of the biggest problems contributing to ocean pollution but there are plenty of other options out there one of the best companies we've found is mermaid straw they did not hunt us down asking for publicity we genuinely believe in their products and their mission Plastics are a huge problem in our fast-paced world, but making simple changes like ditching your single-use straw or cup for a long-living metal one can add up in a very real way. Small changes are what is going to make a huge impact. Please shop using the link on our Instagram bio and save using code underscore underscore mermaid underscore Chelsea underscore underscore. Um, so I did look up if I was on a dive, like a scuba dive, what are some common-ish animals that you're going to see there? So they do in the area have leatherback turtles, green turtles, and loggerhead turtles. If you're going deeper in the Mediterranean, there are sperm whales, which would be awesome. Oh, cool. And there also are striped dolphins around the area. Um, in terms of fish, there's not a lot. Like, you know, when you're diving around even Waikiki beach, you're seeing probably a good 50 different kinds of fish. Yeah. When I looked it up, I found one, two, three, four, I found six, if you include an octopus. So the scorpion fish, a silver side, an ornate wrasse, a saddled sea breamy, 
Salama, and then an octopus. Oh, wow. So, so there's not wow. a lot left. The biodiversity there is very lacking. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. So that's a bummer. But there is a uh, really ancient history of freediving in this area. Really? Yeah. So I don't know if you've heard these stories, um, but sponge diving was like the very first written down form of diving that we've heard of in ancient Europe. So a couple thousand years ago, people would dive for sponges. Wow. Yeah. So in ancient times, the people of the Greek islands, they didn't dive for pleasure as we do today. Instead, to explore the underwater realm um, and see all the different creatures that dwell, that wasn't their focus at all. Uh, They dived in order to gather natural sponges. So the sponge had all different kinds of uses. They would use it as a filter, as a painting utensil, as a drinking container, as a body cleanser. So it was a very valuable commodity and could be traded for goods or money. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find... I'm still working on it. Okay. (laughs) It is very, very endangered. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out if they're protected yet. Right. Uh, The traditional way to dive for sponges was to free dive. Uh, But this is the type of free diving that we don't recommend. Um, (laughs) So they would jump from a boat holding on to what they call a scandalopetra, which is just a big ass rock. What? Yeah. So they would jump (laughs) off of the boat with a rock. It, which would take the diver down to the seabed bed as much as a hundred feet down. So they would just hold on to the rock shit. and equalize. Yeah. So they're not wasting any energy so they can stay down there a little longer. Yeah. But that's like, I'd be terrified. To yeah. Be at I'm the not rocks. a rock. Yeah. That's, a, that's nope. Nope. For me. Uh-uh. Uh, the diver had nothing to rely upon, but his own ability to hold his breath for long enough to cut loose some sponges and return safely to the surface. Needless to say, the depth and the need to hold one's breath for so long, up to five minutes, made this an exceedingly perilous job. As the poet Opian wrote in the third century AD, no ordeal is more terrifying than that of sponge divers and no labor more arduous for men. Oh, yeah. Cool. History. History. Right? I love that. Okay, so I wanted to talk about a couple of my favorite spots if you are going to be going to Crete that I recommend and then I'll talk about dive spots after so we're going to talk about land spots and then ocean spots yes okay so first one is called Elefanisi beach but it's a pink sand beach oh are you going to be posting these pictures <laughs> yes, yes I am okay. that was magical <laughs> Uh, so the sand is pinkish in color mostly because of crushed up pink shells of sea creatures called foraminifera foraminifera <laughs> That sounds like it would be pink. <laughs> this is added uh, added to by small red organisms that live on coral and tiny pieces of other microscopic sea life that line the surrounding seabed. Okay. Yeah. So it's beautiful because the whole beach, it's not like the whole beach is hot pink, but right where the water's moving, you just see pink sand and it just mm. like glistens and the sun is shining and the water is turquoise, but the water is so cold. Keep that in mind because <laughs> I saw all these photos and that's why I went to Elephant EC and I stepped my toe in and I was like, what? Nobody told me. What? Like it's the, su- it's very Southern it's still. It's in the 60s. Like low 60s it was so cold like goosebumps all over your whole body yeah yeah (laughs) um also nearby uh if you want to do more greek mythology you can take a tour of the palace of knossos uh there's it's a four thousand year old labyrinth ruins they're said to have been home to the monstrous minotaur the Ah. half man half bull creature in greek mythology 
Um, everybody says definitely get a tour guide though, so that you know what it is or else you're just walking through a bunch of rock okay. labyrinths. That's good advice. Yeah. There's also a place called uh, Spinalonga Island. The tiny island of Spinalonga is so close to Crete and easily reachable by a little boat over to the island. Uh, perched in the northeast of Crete within the Gulf of Elonda is one little spot to explore some of the Venetian histories of the oh, island. Okay. Yeah. So it's a tiny little place that has had a like pretty intensely turbulent past with a history of Arab raids, Venetian conquering, Ottoman occupation, all before it turned into a leper colony. Oh, the, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's been really intense. Uh, thankfully, the island is much more peaceful today. Um, you can pop onto one of the small boats that leave Alunda about every 30 minutes or so. It's one of the best things to do and see and create in terms of history as well. Okay. And it's beautiful. Uh, there's also a place that I recommend because I like doing things that you're not going to find on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is visiting the cut off village of Lutro. It's hidden. Did you have to like hike there? You know, I love a good, it's a boat thing. So perched on the southernmost coast of Crete, Lutro is a tiny little fishing village that everybody has to visit. Um, It's a total throwback to old Greece and the town doesn't seem to have loads of development or visitors really. Um, It's just like a tiny little hidden gem. One unique thing about the village is that it's inaccessible by land and you have to get there by boat or try to scramble across the mountains. But Ooh, cool. Yeah, if you want to do an <laughs> intense hike, you can get there with an intense hike. Uh, when you're there, take some time to relax on the waterfront, enjoy the views and grab some seafood on the front itself. Mm, that sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, so in terms of diving, the place where most people go is called Hania. It's C-H-A-N-I-A. Uh, that's going to be your best bet for diving in the area. Best bet as far as um, being able to see stuff or is it? Yeah, as it's, it's not nice. just rocks. Okay. I, I mean, it's still rocks, but it's like a little bit more like you might see some turtles and stuff like that. It okay. would probably, I would compare it to like diving in Waikiki. So like you'll still see some life, but it's not going to be mind-blowing the philippines or you know yeah i hate that there's not a lot of life right there you'd think like looking at the pictures the mediterranean yeah from ancient times it was it was ridiculously biodiverse but also humans have been there for too long Mm. yeah that'll happen (laughs) that'll happen um so this city is one of the biggest island cities that you'll find on the greek islands which means that there's a ton to do there's a big nightlife there's a ton of food restaurants things like that Uh, Make sure to wander through the Venetian Harbor. It's beautiful. Okay. (laughs) There's an old lighthouse. And you also want to visit the Agora Marketplace where you'll be able to grab some freshly picked figs. This sounds delightful. Doesn't it seem like a movie? (laughs) It felt like a movie. (laughs) Um, Okay. So here's a couple of different dive sites that if you're diving from Hania that you'll go to. Uh, El Greco cave is about a 30 meter long underwater cave with astonishing stalagmites, stalactites, and plenty of light. The depth ranges from 20 meters to 40 meters. Uh, The cave and area around it have become a home to lobsters, mores, groupers, and tuna fish. So did you free dive this? Uh, No. Or were you scuba? Yeah, scuba is the best way for all of this. Uh, There's also Calypso walls. I just love anything named Calypso. I know, right? I'm like, Something about that name. Strong Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> vibes. <laughs> Calypso. <laughs> uh, so this is a shore dive. It's located in Calypso Bay. It's great for beginners as well as for more experienced divers because you can descend to a depth of 40 meters. Okay. Um, again, most of the diving around here is going to be for the rock formations. So they have walls and caverns that, you know, you can just kind of 
get into it. There's colorful sea life. Um, you're going to see sponges, obviously. Uh, groupers, mores, octopus, and sometimes starfish. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So it's more like rocky animals. You're not going to see a lot of corals. You're going to yeah. see starfish and things like that. Um, oh, there's also a place that like has just beautiful views and it's called Balos Lagoon. Uh, it's a good little hike too. So it gives you some time out on the water. Mm. I just, I loved, I loved this Island. I could live there. <laughs> I ate so much food. Oh, but I like, bet it was all like fresh. I felt food. good. Like yeah. I'm here. I'm gluten-free. I'm dairy-free. Like I eat very specifically or else I feel ill there. I no joke had this, oh my God, I'm off topic, <laughs> but it was a pastry with feta cheese in the middle dipped in honey so it was literally just honey which is sugar cheese and and gluten all of the things (laughs) that really fuck me up yeah and I felt fine I ate it and I felt fine because I was happy all of the ingredients are super fresh all the ingredients are from the island there's no preservatives Yeah. yeah I found that too in other specifically European countries where like um, hot chocolate. Yeah. Here, if I have a cup of Swiss mist, it tastes good. And then I want to die. <laughs> when we were in Paris, it was like all I drink. And I yeah. felt it's so interesting how yeah. quality of ingredients really does make a it's difference. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally, I'm trying to convince my mom to move here so that I can go visit her. <laughs> She's not about it yet, but I'm like, this is just because you haven't been. <laughs> Anyways, Balos Lagoon, now that I'm not talking about food anymore. Um, it's one of the best hiking routes in Crete and it has to be um, like it's more for the views mm-hmm. rather than like the actual water. Cause again, the water, it's just rocks, mm. um, arrive pretty early in the morning. If you're going to go to avoid the crowds, um, and the sun, it gets really intense around midday. Cause it's just like the, it's all sand and rocky oh, in the okay. area. It's not lush and tropical. So you're just, you're going to give up. <laughs> very hot water's fucking freezing but yeah. everything else is boiling hot yes awesome. <laughs> um you can also take a small little boat from Katzel to Balos if you're wanting to stretch your seafaring legs so that's fun if you're a boat person mm-hmm. uh for one of the best views head on to the Balos beach trail and stop off at one of the many viewpoints you'll find it's one of the most gorgeous things to do in Crete so that's it for all of the dive spots. I just wanted to say that it's honestly one of the most beautiful places in the world to me, but it's also an example of why it is so important to create marine sanctuaries and not just love on the populations of animals that we like to eat. Because when we lose that biodiversity, everything else becomes unhealthy. When we lose that owl, we lose the otter, we lose the hippo, we lose the elephant, we mm-hmm. lose the mice, we lose the sharks then we lose the octopus like we lose everything yeah. so it just makes it so much smaller and so lacking in nutrients in terms of the water and the land so That's so disappointing yeah so it's beautiful um but keep in mind that it's a little empty which is understandable yeah yeah Aww. i do have a little bit of good news i guess we can end on um so i was looking up the mediterranean monk seal yes so yeah very very critically endangered um but there are some encouraging signs as far as conservation goes there's been a lot of coordination among the countries so i think that is a very powerful um tool that they're using some of the populations are increasing in size uh breeding areas have been discovered that weren't previously known of and the monk seals are beginning to appear in habitats and places where they had not been seen for decades. Mm. So it's getting there. They yeah. are, um, I, I wouldn't say officially protected, but there are 
steps being taken for these little babies. Okay. Yeah. And that's according to mmc.gov, which is the Marine Mammal Commission. So, oh. So they're the good ones to keep a little track on. Gotta keep a cute little seal around. Yeah. So yeah, go to Greece. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for diving in with us today. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Save the Mermaids Podcast. Visit our website at www.mermaidconservation.com for all the podcast merch and our eco-friendly favorites. And don't forget to join our Facebook community, Save the Mermaids Podcast Community. This is where we will post our monthly meetups, share our favorite underwater adventures, and connect with like-minded ocean lovers all over the world. Until next time, mermaids! Thank you.